so i am renegade operative greetings everyone and welcome to the episodic discussion podcast for outlast um this game is very very creepy and i loved it when i played it back in 2015 but first and foremost let me introduce my panel so lanos introduce yourself hello my name is lanos i am a content creator musician and a million other things and it's very nice to meet you and i'm ready for this i'm excited Next up is Max. Oh, my name is Max Pinkfall, also known as Lord Ectro. I'm a variety streamer, and I'm excited to talk about Outlast and my poor decisions of playing each game's all-in-one sitting, pretty much. Next up is Spartan. Hello. I'm Brett. I'm the residential Brett for the channel. Zamzara? And mm-hmm. Zamzara, I'm here uh once again to talk outlast tonight actually just finished a playthrough of outlast yesterday so i'm primed for it so let's get into it and talking uh, hi everybody um i am super excited to talk about outlast it is one of my favorite uh horror scenes all right so Tolkien, uh you get to start with the first question since it's alphabetical order hmm Okay. So go ahead, you can um, read that. Sure. How were you drawn into playing Atlas for the first time? Describe your first experience with this franchise. Okay. <clears throat> um, so if I remember correctly, I was drawn into it um, partly because I'm a huge fan of horror. So anytime I can find a new horror game, I'm all for it. Um, when this first came out, I hadn't played too many horror games at the time. So this is kind of the game that basically introed me into horror apart from uh, Resident Evil. Um, I believe I was watching a YouTuber play it and I thought, damn, now this is an interesting game, um, the way it's set up compared to most horror games. Um, so of course bought it, uh, played the first one um, and was immediately hooked. Um, it's a fantastic game and uh, I go back to it every once in a while to replay the first one. I was going to say, Ren, I think the voices took you. Oh, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. Discord didn't unmute, but uh, it is Lanos' turn. Okay, yeah, I thought it was my turn. Uh, Well, I was introduced to this when I first came out in 2013, and like many others, I was also introduced to it by a uh, YouTuber. But I, I grew up playing horror games all the time, so when I saw it, it was like a nice uh, introduction into a first-person uh, horror that I didn't see a ton of, but it also reminded me a lot of like how Clock Tower was, where you're a victim, you can't fight back, and these things can kill you if they catch you. And, but it was the camera aspect that really kind of like drew me in. And it was a great experience. And I played that, and then I played Whistleblower, and then I waited forever for the second one. But overall, my experience with it has been very very good i really love the series and i'm excited for what they're going to do with trials i'm curious a little apprehensive but overall the experience of the franchise itself is a great idea of being put into more of a victim like situation where you don't get to be the badass hero you have to run and that's scary as hell it's your turn max so for me as usual because um with a lot of horror games, I didn't play a lot of them until later on in life. My first introduction with Outlast was watching a YouTube channel. I was watching Scare Game Squad, and I was like, ah, oh, it's cool, it's freaky, but I didn't really think about it for years. 
And then a few months ago, actually, yeah, like as of recording, it was just three or four months ago. Uh, my viewers on Twitch were like, hey, you should play Outlast. We think you'll have a really good time with it. The first time I streamed it, I don't think I was in the right headspace. I wigged myself out after 30 minutes and went to the safety of Dead Space 2, which is a weird, weird statement. And then about like a week or so later, I played the entire first Outlast in one sitting. And then in like a few months later, I did, I did the same thing with Whistleblower and the second Outlast, which the main driving force, just like as a quick summary of how it kind of hit me the first, because it's the first time I played it. At first, I was scared, and then I kind of went to, I don't know the good word for it, but like when you get so scared, eventually you just get angry because like something, you realize something and then something clicks. And I went through like with anger for the entire rest of the first game. The second one I enjoyed a lot more though. All right, it is my turn. Honestly, my story is not that special. I mostly did Outlast as Halloween specials. Uh, everyone knows on my channel, I usually do Halloween content every single time that October comes up because um, uh, it's the fun time to be spooky and play scary games. Uh, so Outlast sort of came on my radar. I remember I got it off Steam. I didn't know what to expect with the guy with the green filter and the face all deformed and everything so that kind of appealed to me i'm like what is this game uh, so i got it on sale uh played it for halloween special in 2015 and i really did enjoy it for what it was i thought it was very scary atmospheric and almost crazy because you're dealing with all these crazy people in an insane asylum uh i played the sequel later on for halloween special uh on ps4 like i think that was like two years later and then I mostly am super excited for trials. So that's how I got into the series. Uh, pretty basic. I saw it on sale. I picked it up and then I immediately got into the world. Um, next up is Spartan. Oh, my story again isn't really that interesting. But I remember it was when it first came out, I was in holiday in America at the time in Orlando. And it was during a particularly bad sort of rainy storm that we just couldn't go out. And I thought, you know, I'm on the iPad watching it. And I'm like, what's this, like, what's this game called? Markiplier was doing videos on it. Jack Sapatine was doing videos of it. Um, PewDiePie, everyone. It was just this big thing, this cult craze along with Five Nights at Freddy that just took everyone by storm. So I started watching that and I thought, okay, fair enough. At the time, it was only on PC. And then eventually it came to PS4. And when it came to Xbox, I picked it up and I was like, holy shit, I've never felt this intense playing a game before. Because it is, it's, it's one of those games that I love. It's actually, I'd say, the first horror game that I actually played. That was, for me, truly scary. Zamzara, it's your turn. Yeah. So, with Outlast, um... I'm a big horror fan, and I was really into, like, found footage movies, you know, Blair Witch and uh, Paranormal Activity, all that stuff. And um, just into, like, conspiracy stuff at the time, like, like Area 51 and, you know, things like that. And um, having played Amnesia, I was looking for something similar to that. And when I saw the trailer for Outlast, it was really cool to see like, oh, we're going to get into this like found footage um, and you're going to be playing the role of the footage you're watching is really cool. 
and it was just really I really gravitated towards it and was super excited for it to come out got it when it first came out played through it was completely blown away um by the atmosphere like Ren said and just everything about the game and how it all ties together and how scary it is and how terrifying it is especially that first time you play through it uh there I don't think there's another game out there like this um that does scares like outlast does and i am really excited to see what is uh in store with trials for sure all right so we're going to move on to question number two what is your immediate thoughts when you realize the meta of the game that only involved running and hiding was it a turn off for you that you couldn't fight back tolkien you take this one um yeah um when I realized that the game was focused solely on running and hiding and you couldn't fight back, it's an interesting way to present a game. And I absolutely adored it. Every horror game seems like it's all about the guns and the shooting. And for a game to come out with this take on it, I was just like, yes, this is exactly what a lot of horror games should be doing. Um, I've mentioned it in a podcast before that the one gripe I have is like a normal person getting into a game that has no experience in what they're about to be up against and just randomly finds a, a gun, a shotgun, a pistol, and just goes to town, just mows everything down. It's just like, no, I, this is what most people would do in this situation. They would have to hide and run and use stealth and logic to get past a lot of these situations um so i absolutely adored it so it did not turn me off at all it just pulled me further into the game and like i wish more games would do this i i'm all for this i think it's an excellent way to do a horror game thanos it is your turn all right uh yeah a little bit of both of what tolkien and sam sorry we're talking just now and a little bit earlier about one when i first saw it and realize what the meta is, it really did remind you of being in a found footage film. So Zimzara is very correct on that. It's so taken into that. And it puts you into that, as I mentioned earlier, into that kind of victim situation where any kind of normal person, as Tolkien mentioned, is not immediately going to fight back. There's not a random shotgun lying around uh, in most of these situations. Maybe you'll find like a board to like swing at somebody, but most people in a situation aren't going to be able to know what to do. They're going to go into panic mode. They're going to run. Uh, and that's just how a lot of people are. They're going to run. They're going to be scared. And being put into that situation where you cannot pull a weapon out and you have to run is a very scary experience. And so I wasn't turned off by it. I was very intrigued because it's a different strategy to realize that you can't be the badass hero. You can't do that in this one. You have to actually. Think logically, you have to slow down, you can't panic. You have to, it's like, okay, do I need to run here? Do I need to jump here? Where do I need to go? And so the, that aesthetic really drew to me. And you can also see the influence it had on other games after that. Even in like Resident Evil 7, in the beginning parts with the bakers, uh, especially with the dad, that very beginning part, you don't have any weapons, you're running. Uh, it's, it has an influence. So it, it influenced horror in general but also just in me as a player it really is something that there's not another experience like that that really is out there other than people just now borrowing from it so i just really in general liked it 
Max, I will pass the baton over to you. Hi, right, thank you. Um, for me, unfortunately, I'm prop. I remember we talked about this in the Discord before. I'm going to be a little bit of a hater on the uh, hater in the group in regards to that because. So on the upside, I love stealth games. I love taking things slow, being clever, being rewarded for being clever. And I don't mind being in a position of like weakness, victimhood. I think it adds a lot to, I guess, I guess if you want to call it a nightmare mentality that it makes you feel like you are powerless. There's nothing about that that I don't get, or sorry, that I, that I don't like. I think that's all well and good. For me, what kind of bugged me in the game was that there is literally nothing you could do and you're provided with only really observation tools. Which in terms of like gameplay, I think is fine. I think it's fun. It's refreshing to have like a different kind of mindset. But it did. So, you know, I was still able to play it, but it did bug me that that was the only thing you could do. There was nothing proactive, even if it was, you know, like, like I said, pick up a board and do a swing. You're like, oh, you don't know how to handle a gun. That's fine. But I kind of wish you were more able to do at least something, even if it was ineffectual, even if it wasn't the best idea. Just as the, uh, just that you would have some form of control. So I would not say it was a turnoff for me, but I wasn't the most happy with it. But thankfully, it's still a stealth game. I love stealth, so I was able to still go through it pretty hunky-dory. It just wasn't my absolute favorite. It's not that I expect to be an action he hero, but it kind of stinks when you're... Especially when you realize on lower difficulties, is in the first game with regenerating health, when you realize you could take one hit and then just keep running, it kind of takes away from a lot of the horror, which is one of the reasons I like two more, because your health didn't regenerate. So you couldn't just sprint through like you didn't care. You, d you were more forced to take things slow and be more stealthy. But knowing that your health regenerated really took away a lot of the, hor a lot of the horror for me in the first game. Alright, so it is my turn. Uh... I don't have a big gripe with this mechanic. Um, I've seen others say that, you know, they can't really fight enemies in this game. So it sort of takes them out of the experience. Uh, but in my honest opinion, I've dealt with getting around enemies. I really didn't have a problem. Um, it's a smart thing in terms of gameplay, because once again, you got to think with your feet. Uh, you still have to think with your feet, even with a weapon, and I, I like when games do that, but um, everything can't be the same and homogenized, so I, I do like when games try to do something different to the formula. It's not just the same third-person shooter horror game all over again. Uh, that being said, I I think when I, first, when I was first introduced into this game, I didn't know what to expect. Um, so that was one of the big surprises for me. It's like, oh, well, you're running around as a reporter. You don't have a gun and you can't fight these things. Uh, so it was very intimidating the first time that I saw it. Uh, one review sort of hit the nail on the head. You're not just a super soldier or metahuman, you know, you're just an average dude. Um, I do agree that the regenerating health, it gives you a second win. Uh, but for that, I always say like, you could always just up it on hard, no problem. And, and I think the enemies might kill you faster. Uh, and, and I was, I also got like one shot in this game as well. Uh, cause I noticed that if you are on danger, you just get killed immediately. So, uh, it's a tense factor there not to have that happen. Uh, otherwise I, I think this game was interesting for doing that. And 
everyone else seen the uh sort of just try to follow suit or emulate or um even beforehand with games where you can't fight you just uh have the first person and and you walk and that's it um but the camcorder gives a nice sort of help a viewpoint into the shadows which is what i noticed so it wasn't really that bad it it, it really you could peek and everything so you weren't really defenseless uh you just had to think more and use more skill and apply that but i am done for now i will pass the torch to spartan my immediate thoughts were that this is sort of like what horror games should be um and i would argue that it's more of a survival horror game than other survival horror games because it's like you, you you literally have to survive there's no way of you fighting back from a cutscene or certain cutscenes in the game but apart from that that's ineffectual um when i when i first played it through i played through it with the knowledge of exactly what was going to happen because i'd watched multiple people do a playthroughs on youtube and still playing it through and getting to all these tense moments I've, man, my heartbeat was just going. It was just, it almost came out of my chest. Every single encounter, I, I knew it was going to happen, but it just it has a way of the atmosphere of tensing you up um, so well. And I, I like how they did that. And I think Outlast Two did that to a somewhat better degree as well. But then Outlast Two has its own flaws, where I think it tried to be bigger then it should have been. Um, and I think there is too much, there is such thing as too much of a good thing. Um, but I, I think I think it was brilliant. I No, I don't think it was a turn off that I couldn't fight back. Because, you know, if everyone does the same thing in terms of games, it just gets stale after a while. And I think Outlast was a breath of fresh air. Last is Zemzar. It is your turn, good sir. Thanks. Um, yeah. At the time, um, the meta of running away, I thought was still relatively fresh and still kind of clever. Uh, in Amnesia, where you were just running away from everything, you still had that light mechanic. So you were lighting candles. Uh, you had your lantern with the oil and everything. Outlast was kind of the next step up from that. They were like, OK, well, we're just taking away all of your um, counters to this. You're, you're just going to be hunted this entire time. And you really do feel hunted in Outlast, which um, I, I really enjoyed. Um, so <clears throat> not being able to fight back didn't necessarily, um, wasn't a turnoff for me because you're still fighting back. You're just fighting back with, like, uh, lady said, um, with your wits, your logic, you know, you're trying to lead them down a certain way so you can sneak past and continue on. Um, and you can close off path with doors to slow things down, push those tool chests in front of some doors, um, to slow them down even more. And uh, when you are running away, the, the sound design of all of that is just great because it really adds to that feeling of being hunted throughout everything uh, and really feeling helpless. Like, all I can do is run. That's all I can do is just keep moving forward. Um, and I know a couple of people talked about the regenerating health, but I think that's all right. Um, if it's like a horror movie. You're the main character in a horror movie. You're not going to die in the first act. Um, you know, the main character gets beat up a lot and, and still keeps going until that final act. So... I kind of take it akin to that, so I think it's all right. All right, good answers, good answers, people. We're going to move on to question number three. Uh, so this is very simple. 
What do you think of the general aesthetic with the Outlast games? This involves the camcorder, asylum, presentation, etc. Tolkien, you are first. Um, as I stated in two, I, I love this whole thought. Um, the idea of using a camcorder to uh, videotape your experiences is unique. And I really enjoyed it, along with not having the weapons, as stated previously. Um, I think that's why um, the game made a lot of sense to me in the sense that you didn't have weapons, is you're obviously recording with one hand, so you only have one other hand to do anything with. And I don't know anybody that can shoot accurately with one hand, um, or even hit anybody with anything with one hand, because you're going to be thrown off balance. I mean, you're in this game to record the events, um accurately and most of the time uh you have the camcorder up recording so i think that's why to me it made a lot of sense not to have weapons but um i love the whole aesthetic i think the asylum was fantastic uh everything looked good and spooky and scary um so i just love the whole thing i don't think i could say it enough there weren't that many complaints i had with this game but overall Aesthetic was very pleasing to the eye. Next up is Lanos. Uh, like I said before, the aesthetic was found footage. It, if you look at Blair Witch or anything else, it's that kind of almost sickly green when you're in the night vision, but it also just a really muted colors overall. And it's, the aesthetic is almost claustrophobic if you really think narrow hallways, there's not a lot of space, they put you in the sewers. And that's also very claustrophobic. And overall, I really enjoy the aesthetic of it so much that you get so wrapped up into like how the asylum is when they let you outside. It's almost jarring when you go out there because you're just like, I can't see. It's dark. This camcorder is not really helping me. Oh, God, what do I do? And it's just like that's how well they deal with the aesthetic that you're so drawn into that location that it's you don't know what to do when you go outside. You're like, I oh, freedom. Oh, God. And that's a very particular thing that I haven't seen a lot of games do. And just overall, the aesthetic is incredible and the details are really nice. And you, as much as I was not the biggest fan of the second one, you can tell that they put a lot of detail into these worlds. I just, the only thing is just, I, I think I had the problem with, and this is in any horror game, where is all this blood coming from? Because there's not that many people, but it still makes you uncomfortable. Max, it's your turn. The Labs actually stole one of the things I was going to talk about of, um, like, just the unnecessary amount of blood. But um, overall, as much as I may have a lot of issues with Outlast 1 and 2, the aesthetics in the environment, I would say, is the thing that was nailed the absolute best. I loved how, like, the lights weren't working. I loved how dark it was. I loved just how creepy and grimy and everything was. And the camera with... um the night vision mode that dark like that dark like greens and how you could like see someone's eyes way before you could see someone that shit was the absolute best i adored that it was definitely my favorite part of the games and then in the second one how it's like it's wide open both the trees and everything it still feels claustrophobic how everything looks like worn down and used for who knows how long everything's derelict everyone's covered in blood and guts and whoever i i absolutely adored that but to bring up what Lano said, which I think is kind of a gripe, 
I liked it, but it was also a gripe. There were so many corpses. There were so many piles of blood. There were so many, like, entrails and who knows what. And after a certain point, I remember um, this happened in Evil Within as well, but it really happened in Outlast, that I would, like, stop and look at the body and then kind of, like, start looking around, like, a forensics department and just being like, okay, so you hit there, hit the... No, that doesn't make sense. And, like, trying to piece together. Because at times, as much as blood was used as a mechanic... To be like, hey, follow the blood. That's the general path you need to go to, which was good. A whole lot of it didn't make sense logically. And it's almost a shame that after a while, you kind of ignored it. Like you would see corpses, you'd see guts and stuff. And you'd just be like, eh, whatever. I haven't seen this all over. I mean, it makes no difference to me. Which is a shame because when they take those moments to create these like derelict, broken asylums and stuff where they let you use dark vision, you see eyes peer in the distance, then you realize it's just like the head of someone and you see these weird shrines and crucifixions. That stuff is great. I absolutely love that. But after a while, it was a shame. And uh, this is between the two. You can definitely tell the podcast. Some of us like the first one. Some of us like the second one. I like the second one more. In two, it felt a lot less like in your face and purposeless while like the first one sometimes it just felt unnecessary but it was also helped by the amount of inmates how they acted what the different things they did the different things they said and including the ones who would do weird things like masturbate or commit sodomy of corpses but it all added to like this deranged air and yeah i just think the aesthetics were absolutely nailed all right it's my turn so I didn't I didn't really have too much of like any issues with uh how they handled the environments. I, I figured at most this prison was going to be off the fringe as soon as you entered it, uh and you see that first scene of the guy sitting at the I don't know, the, the he's watching the TV and you can tell his face and his eyes are sewn shut. He he's all mangled. So that was the first indicator that somebody's doing something wrong and there's probably a lot of people being killed in the process. Uh I do like the overall camcorder aesthetic like everyone has said where you can see people's eyes like from a mile away. It's sort of like that um thing where you see a cat's eyes glow up in the dark and I I liked that a whole lot as well as um it brings callbacks to blair witch where it's very um i want to say messy in terms of like having the camera tilt everywhere and uh the camera shake uh so it actually feels like you're recording a, a b-movie horror yourself and running away in the process and i thought that added to the overall graininess color and uh the whole green filter of the game uh, that being said, in terms of like all, all, all the stuff strewn around and the bodies, deformities, whatnot, I, I just think it tried to paint a picture as usual uh, that something's going on, something is not right, and you are not supposed to feel secure in this place. Uh, it gives you visual storytelling, trying to ponder what exactly happened to the inmates and what happened to everyone around them to cause all these people to be beheaded. And stuff like that. I know it gets ridiculous, uh, but it, it's like in Evil Within, it's like you could tell it's not supposed to be real, but it has some link to the real world with STEM and everything. Uh, so I, I, I still appreciated it. it. It made me want to find out more in the files and who was doing what and all these uh, weird cultists committing these atrocities in the world. Um, 
two i i i'm gonna get on like outlast two later but again it, it didn't hit me as much as the first one in terms of looks because you're mostly outside in some areas and stuff like that but i guess uh the wooded areas being isolated alone and having that feeling i, I think the school level is the big prime example of hey i should not be in here with all this blood and i should immediately fucking leave because i do not feel secure uh that's that's what i like the most in a game's environments i, I don't want it to be too squeaky clean i want it to feel like i'm not supposed to be here i need to turn around now i need to leave uh and, and that's the presentation that the first one definitely gave for me so next up is Amzar. yeah uh i really do love the the aesthetic of the first game uh it reminded me of that movie uh wreck a lot um where they're trapped in the apartment building and um <clears throat> the camcorder really helps with the horror um by narrowing your field of vision and it like Lano said, it, it really makes it claustrophobic where you, you're really only looking at this specific portion of the screen. Um, it, it's, it's just so good. And then having the night vision tied to the battery mechanic where you have to keep reloading batteries. I just played through on Nightmare and they really make the batteries sparse and running out of battery power for night vision for the light on the night vision really is terrifying. Um, there's a portion where you're stuck in the water with um, Chris Walker, the big dude with the chains and the deformed face. And I ran out of batteries down there and trying to find the path up to jump on the ladder to get out of the sewers was terrifying because I had no way to see more than like a foot in front of me and I had to be right up on top of it. So all I had to my advantage was being able to like walk around the room and knowing where he is by the sound of his walking, which kind of ties back into what I was saying about the sound design. It's just so good. Um, and all of that tying together just really nails the aesthetic of that first game. I absolutely love it. Um, but yeah, it's just, it nails it. Like it draws you in, it pulls you in, it makes you just feel terrified the entire time. All right, we are moving on to question number four. And this is, how do you feel about the deformed stalker enemies in Outlast? To give like extra clarification, this is the enemies that chase you throughout the entire game of Outlast 1 and 2. Tolkien, you will go first. I loved almost all the enemies in these games. They were all so unique in their own way. All had different weapons, all had different lines all looked completely different um all their own level of crazy and it's just you go from one and you think you've escaped and then you just run into another one it's just like oh fuck here's another one and this one's almost crazier than the first one it's just like you go from chris walker chasing you and then you go into the dlc and then you've got eddie after you and it's just like they're all so different especially in the second one um when you have Marta chasing you from the beginning of the game to the end of the game and Val sprinkled in here and there and it's just they're all so designed brilliantly and uh, so individual and it's just I just love them all I don't even know if I could pick a favorite or at least favorite. they're just all done so well and so differently that it doesn't feel like you're going against the same enemy every time you encounter the next one they're all so different 
Hmm. Okay. Okay. Lanos, it is your turn. Uh, I couldn't agree more. The mere fact is, even by sound alone, you knew which enemy you were dealing with before you can even hear them. Like, Chris Walker has heavier sounds. Like, for example, when you're in the sewers, uh, and as Simsar was talking about, where, like, all you could do is hear, and you knew he was there. You knew who it was. And it's so... I have to applaud them yet again on sound design, even on the enemies. And every enemy looked so different. Like, Krieger looked incredibly different from, like, as a doctor, you knew. You saw those scissors. Even his, like, voice of, like, hey, buddy. Like, you knew who, where he was. And I hated that, by the way. That scared the living hell out of me for such a simple phrase. But every character was different. I'll even in the second one with, like, Val, like, they still look for the most part, pretty different. And I'll give them that, like, the, for the main stalker ones. Now, the inmates alone, uh, not as much, but it's just, I don't know. I was just drawn in by the characters. Like, Eddie alone is a very great design. Uh, just for, because for the most part, he looks normalized in comparison to the rest that chase you, but yet he's still, the, to me, one of the most terrifying enemies in that. Uh, the wall rider design was incredibly well done. Just overall, and it that it could be just one random stalker. It's not just even the main ones. Like you could turn around and there's an inmate with a knife, and you took his battery. Now he's upset, and now he's chasing you. So it was just one of those things that you can go around the corner, and there can be an enemy that's chasing you at that point, and that's kind of terrifying. They did a very good job uh, alone. Just very good job. Next up is Max. So for me, I think um, this might sound kind of terrible. I loved the ones that were more unique that like specifically as everyone talked about, I was horrible with their names. I couldn't remember any of them. So I was like, so in my head, I'm like, okay, the pig guy, the doctor, like the doctor, the, um, the guy who wants you to be his wife, all those guys I loved individually. The more that they differentiated themselves and how they talked and how they looked and everything, I absolutely adored that. While the basic ones, I think they were most effective in their creepiness when they weren't chasing you. And for me, that boiled down to kind of going back to the generating health that just really bugged me in the first one. How a lot of them on a mechanical sense did basically the same thing. Thing. I loved hearing the chains in the background. I loved hearing the chainsaw in the background. I loved hearing the voice and um, I forget the exact song that the guy was singing, Eddie, but how he's like so excited to have a wife who he will love and care for and just hearing that in the distance. Val coming up to you and saying like, God doesn't love you like I love you, like or however the exact phrase is. All of that I absolutely adored. But I think what failed for me was more like the basic enemies and how a lot of them just acted the same even if the ways they came up to you were varying that was one of the things i really appreciated too which was most evident in the um i forget their names but the twins the the giant one and like the little guy with a bow even if the bow wasn't accurate because you had to then think differently I thought they were really great, and it was it was really good with all the unique ones to know, even if a lot of times what they did to you was functionally the same. Any chance to see that they had different personalities, acted in different ways, or just the knowledge of what they were going to do to you was different. You know, one guy wanted to eat your liver, one guy wanted to make you a woman in a way that you did not want to be, and 
it's the uniqueness that I think was the absolute uh, the uniqueness of them, which I think was key. And like you said, added to the atmosphere, added to the unique feel of everyone, added to the feeling of insanity that the whole world has gone batshit insane and you're along for the ride with it. And for me, I think my favorites were there with there was um someone will have to correct me on the name. The doctor who would just yell like, come on, buddy, come back here. I want to have a word with you. I adored him. And then Marta, I think her name is the pickaxe lady. As much as she was like very annoying in like the cart segment, I loved seeing that light in the distance and knowing it was her just like this huge, imposing Grim Reaper figure. I absolutely loved those two. I thought they were great fun. All right, so I am more familiar with the enemies in the first game. I, I do remember like the giant uh, lady with the shawl that would chase you in the second one. And clearly, once again, I, I'm going to keep like fangasming over Blair Witch, but it looks like they took a lot of inspiration there, as well as the weird naked twins. Uh, I saw that. I was like, what the hell is going on? And why do they look like that? Uh, but then I remember this place was not so normal. Uh, it's a lot of like personality and variance and how they're, how they were made in the first place and, um, all the after effects from having their minds altered and, and their bodies like go along with it is a very disturbing premise for lore. Uh, I, I like Chris Walker a lot because, you know, straight to the point, big brutish meathead who can clearly rip you apart um, like you were a piece of tissue. I I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the twins. Uh, Traeger, as um, Lanos described with his look and how he has like dried skin and uh, the double scissors in his hand. And he's like, you know, screaming at you to come back as soon as possible um that was really fun that was that's really like good design i can't really think of like enemies that i disliked because each and every time you see them you get more scared and it gets more tense and they are all different as variants um so it gave me a lot to appreciate in the process uh definitely i, I just loved it so much and that is my two cents on the characters i just think they're well executed in terms of uh what they do and how they scare you and also the sound design because uh one last thing i want to touch on the fact that i could hear like some of them breathing uh it was really really intense like I i'm sitting in the dark wondering where the fuck is this guy and he's he's sort of signaling the fact that he heard me walking around uh that's another thing too if they hear you they'll start talking i'm like oh i better move i better get out of here now so it, it makes that tension even more dangerous in the process i good voice acting all around i love that too so i will pass the torch to mr spartan hello um i do apologize my wi-fi cut out if it's all right with you, can I go back to the aesthetic and then do this one as well? Or do you want me to do that at the end? Sure, you can do both since you missed on the last question. That's fair. Um, well, in, in regards to question three and the general aesthetic, I loved it. Um, it yes, a, hor a horror game or a horror thing, it, horror media in a insane asylum. It's been done a million times before. And what I love about Outlast is that again it finds a new way to tell the story and that and like that's one of the problems i have say going off on a tangent with battle royals is at the end of the day they, they're the exact same thing and it's like all the horror games that are in a asylum it's like 
it, it becomes stale after a while. But Outlast, the, the whole aesthetic was brilliant. Um, I loved the camcorder um, in the first one. Yeah, the first one was fantastic. But I think in Outlast 2, it did it even better because in regards to the collectibles and the notes and the documents that you were actually recording, I should say, you could actually go back and see what you had recorded. And it wasn't just like a little written down note. Um, I loved that part. And in regards to what some of the other um, members have said in regards to why is there so much blood, why is there um, all these organs and bodies and all these different places that shouldn't get there. The way I see it is it's the wall, wall rider. Um, probably not the best explanation, but I like I like that's how my uh, my thing is. Um, but that that's for the aesthetic. And one thing that I love about Outlast One is that in at the beginning of the game and throughout the entirety of the game, you are inside and you know, you're trapped. Your whole goal is to escape the asylum. But when you get to the end of the game and you go down to the elevator into the underground labs and you see like this big open hangar door with all these Murkoff trucks there and you're like, oh shit, no. Oh, I think it's, it makes you feel safer inside the asylum, which I think is a very, very ballsy thing to do. And I'm glad that they managed to pull it off so successfully. Um, now for question four, the enemies, again, it's just the basic enemies were terrifying, but the named ones were, oh my goodness, the Traeger in particular, he was the only one that I had trouble with simply because he was so silent. Um, he would literally be right upon you and then he would say something and in my playthroughs, I would barely have any time to react. And when playing on insane, if he gets you, if he hits you once, that's it, game over. Um, Chris Walker, again, he, the thing with him was Little Pig and his chains. And you like, when you hear the chains, you're like, it's like, you don't know where he is, just know he's in the area and you have to be very, very careful with where you go. Um, again, with Outlast 2, the enemies were fantastic. Um, Marta. I absolute hate with a passion for reasons that I've said before in the Discord. Um, but she's a really well done character. And I think that's the thing with these unique characters that, yes, they are unique. Yes, they are named, but they need to have a personality behind them. And unlike the main enemies, they're all unique. They all have their own different personalities. And I think that's what really, that's what really sets these games compared to the other games. Next up is Zamzar. Um, yeah, I really liked all the characters um, from most of the games. I only played through Outlast 2 once, so I don't remember a whole lot about the characters from that game, and it didn't really resonate with me as much as Outlast 1 did. But from Outlast 1, um, <clears throat> not only the twins um, that we've talked about, Chris Walker with the chains and the deformed face and, and Dr. Traeger uh, with his scissors and everything. But even just all of the other inmates in Outlast, you got the group that was watching the TV when you first come into the asylum. You have um, the ones that are walking around in the main cell block when you first get there. 
the ones that are trying to help you out and tell you which ways to go, the ones that are kind of just sitting off to the side and mumbling to themselves. It's just a lot of good world building through those side characters and just these one or two sentences they may say as you're passing and you might not even really register it right away, but it just like plays in your subconscious as you're going through. So it's really good stuff. Um, and I really like all the characters that they, they developed and um, it really helps set that atmosphere of the game and the setting. And just, like I've said before, it just makes everything that much more terrifying. It, it really feels like you're trapped in a haunted house with no way out and nothing but insanity around you. And I, I really love that aspect of the of the series. All right, so we're going to move on to the next question as we get Tolkien's mind off of talking about the twins having detailed penises. So, uh, <laughs> so question number five, uh, did you play the whistleblower DLC for the first Outlast? If so, what did you think of it? Okay, first, I did not bring it up, so that is not uh, my problem. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, second, <laughs> um, Whistleblower DLC. Oh my fucking god. I am so in love with it. It is fantastic. Eddie has got to be one of the best-made characters in the whole series. That guy is creepy as fuck. Like... Oh my god. And it gave so much more detail into the game that you didn't get from playing the first one. It explained so much. Um, well worth it. And I'm kind of glad it was separate from Outlast um, in general. Um, it, it was so well done. Um, definitely my favorite part of Outlast is probably the DLC itself. Um, it just it just made the game for me. It was so good, and I will always remember playing through it with Eddie chasing me constantly. I swear to God, I don't know if there's any other part in the game that scared me as much as that guy. He was a real freak of nature, but it was fantastic. I loved it. Next up is Lonos. Oh, I 100% played that, and it was amazing. And like Talkin said, it explained a lot, especially if you're paying attention and not being in panic mode running around all of it. If you read all the notes, it explains so much more of what the hell's going on at Mount Massive and just being Wayland and just this normal IT guy who just happened to come across information and wanted to do the right thing and be a whistleblower and then being tossed into this hellscape is such a great idea, especially to reintroduce you back into Mount Massive while trying to lore dump you along the way. And some of the, some of the enemies are even better and there's even some from the first one that make another appearance because you're like oh no i know who you are oh god no but like uh eddie is terrifying in every aspect uh like i mentioned before he's calm it reminds me of old slasher films that's the worst part about him because he walks around so calmly as he chases you and he's like no this is gonna happen and you're like no no it's not i don't want it to happen uh frank Frank should be scary to me, but he wasn't. He just wanted to eat me, and I understood, but I didn't want to be, like, his food. But he's just, like, his lines just made me laugh more than anything. But he was a great character. But overall, the Whistleblower DLC, I think, is integral to the game itself. Like, you should play it more than anything so you have a greater understanding. And it just took what was Outlast and improved it 
more. It really like kind of honed in. It focused on what you should be doing. The characters a little bit more reined in. Uh, the gameplay itself is just laser focused. And while it's shorter than Outlast, it feels like it cut out a lot of the fluff that happened in the first Outlast and still had that atmosphere to really draw you in. If anything, it is an improvement and everyone should play it. If you haven't, go play it because it's better than the first one. Max, it's your turn. Um, I'd like to just echo a lot of those sentiments. By the end of the first Outlast, I'll admit, I was not happy. I was not having a good time. There was just like, like just screw it. It's done. Finally. And maybe it's, you know, time makes the heart grow fond or however the saying goes. And, you know, when I start with Whistleblower and then went immediately to Outlast 2. But I really enjoyed Whistleblower more, uh, more than the first one. A lot of the... I guess, yeah, I feel bad repeating a lot of the same points. A lot of the fluff was removed. It was a lot more focused. The um, Eddie was definitely the highlight of it. He was so immediately creepy. The, uh, uh, the, the surgery scene was one of the most disturbing things I've ever seen in a video game. And I really enjoyed it. I missed out on a lot of the lore, mostly because I was worried about surgery happening. But I did really enjoy seeing things theoretically you know, with the main Outlast game, a lot of the stuff already happened. You just kind of walk into it. While with Whistleblower, you kind of see a lot of it actively happen. And I really appreciate seeing that, at least, you know, a little bit since it already kind of went to shit in a, you know, hell in a handbasket at a high rate of speed. That being said, by the end of it, and this is probably because I missed out on a lot of the lore, and I will 100% own that. By the end of it, though, I felt more disturbed or hurt than anything else like i felt more assaulted or just grossed out and i recognize that's part of arch not all arch not all games are meant to make you feel happy or inspired or anything by the end of it sometimes they just want like the point of art is to make you feel an emotion it doesn't mean it's a good emotion it doesn't mean it's something that you're gonna feel happy about at the end of it so at the end of whistleblower i just felt disturbed assaulted but I did enjoy it because it definitely made me feel things. So I would count that as an absolute success. It's 100% worth your time. And yeah, I would say it blows the original. Like between Outlast and Whistleblower, I consider them separate games because Whistleblower just blows the original one out of the water. Well, I can skip my turn because I know I have not played the DLC. So next up is Mr. Spartan. I did play the DLC, and again, I won't go over. The, I won't go over like what a lot of people already said um, in regards to the DLC. What I will say is that, in my opinion, Outlast One is the rough draft of what they wanted to do. Bear in mind, it's the exact same engine; nothing has changed in terms of controls and gameplay. But it feels to me like Outlast One is the draft. Whistleblower is the final copy, and again, it is in, like I said, like everyone else said, it's integral to the experience. Um, God, when when that game came out and the DLC came out, everyone, I I don't know why, all the women in my school were thirsting over Eddie Gluskin, and I just I don't know why. I don't. All the men hated him for obvious reasons. I, I won't. I won't go into um but it it was just, just brilliant um 
And it's one of those things where I'm a little bit disappointed that Outlast 2 didn't get a DLC because if Outlast Whistleblower could expand that much upon the poor game of the first, it just makes me wonder what a DLC could have expanded upon for the second one. I was going to type in chat, but uh, I, I am aware of the castration scene. I already know about it. Uh, Zanzara. They were into it? Well, no, oh, not ah! not being into it, but I am aware of the scene. I, I meant all I the girls were into it. The fuck? They weren't into the scene. They were into Eddie Gluskin as a character. Oh, he's so nice. Oh, he's so lovely. It's like, he's, he's so obsessive. Yes, exactly. He's obsessive. None of that is nice. I, oh. I stand by my previous statement, but anyway, sorry. sorry. <laughs> Lorraine Bobbitt, I'm just going to say that. Stay away from those. Uh, Zanzara, it's your turn. Uh, how do you feel about this question? Uh, I enjoyed the Whistleblower DLC. I only played through this once as well. Uh, I'm After hearing everybody talk about it, I kind of want to play through it again and refresh my memory on it because um, I am a little bit hazy on some of this, but I did enjoy it when I did play through it. Uh, the, the main stuff I remember was um, when you fall down the elevator shaft and you get your leg impaled. I was It was just like, oh, well, the first game you had to do the hands and now we have to do the, the legs. OK, I get this. Um, but that was that was one thing that stuck out in my head. But the way the timelines overlapped for Whistleblower and Outlast one, I always I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. So being able to see those events play out again from a different perspective, um, not realizing until you're already in it what's happening was pretty cool. Uh, and I enjoyed that a lot. So, um, yeah, I, I just really enjoyed Whistleblower DLC. I don't have a ton to say about it, but other than I, I enjoyed it. All right, so we're moving on to question number six. So have you played Outlast 2? So what do you think about it? What is your general experience compared to the first iteration? Tolkien? Okay, so I have played Outlast 2. Um, I played it quite recently. It was probably about last year, maybe a little sooner than that, because I played it for the channel. And uh, I enjoyed it, but... For me, I enjoyed one and Whistleblower way more, and I tend to be that way on a lot of games. I tend to like the first better than anything that comes after. Um, I think I just liked the that Outlast 1 was mostly interior. It was all in a generalized one building, whereas outlast 2 was so open worldish kind of and it was just i don't know the story of the one drew me in way more than the second one um i think i liked the characters some of them anyway better in two than one but just the general consensus i really enjoyed one better um but i probably will plan on playing through them again because now <laughs> now that it's on my head i'm i'm obsessed I, I already downloaded the first one again i have to play it again but i just fell in love with the first one and the dlc so much and just there was everything about it to me it just seemed better than the second one i thought it was more well done um than the second one lana says your turn all right so i have played it I have mixed feelings because there's a lot of things that it does well. And there's other aspects that I was not as happy with. I, 
first off, I'll say I think it suffers in the same situation that Bioshock Infinite did, whereas you put a very constrained environment that is what players are used to, and you ripped it away, and some horror games just do not work well in an open environment. It's great for storytelling, but for trying to scare you and streamline you into where you're going, some people really like the kind of more open aspects of being able to run around, but sometimes that claustrophobia gets lost, and that's what a lot of Outlast was, is you're claustrophobic, you're scared, you have no idea what's going on, and the mere fact is, story-wise, Yes, you're supposed to be drawn in by, like, you're chasing after your wife, but you didn't know her long enough to really care. Like, you know her for a few moments, the helicopter crashes, and then you're supposed to be chasing after her the whole time. Where as a player, I'm like, I don't really have a lot of emotions towards you where I just don't want to just leave and not be part of this whole crazy cult that's happening. There's not a lot for me to, to really be attached to it. Not only counting that, there's too much going on. And that's going into the school aspects. Like, I think both of those things of the story were great on their own, but together it's just too much chaos for you to fully understand. And I think maybe that's what they were trying to go across with it. But as a player, it's too much to try to digest. And for me to try to understand everything that's going on, that I have to go outside to a wiki, you haven't told your story well. You just confused everyone. And the ending... Kind of felt like how a lot of 70s horror movies did, which I guess is kind of a throwback to it, but it's not always a good thing. It's like, and there it is. And then it cuts off and you have no idea. Oh, the world ended? Maybe. Don't know. Uh, is this a hallucination? We'll never know. It, it was just for me, it was kind of left me with mixed feelings where uh, I know for a lot of people, they're like, I just don't like it. For me, I'm just like, it didn't have as much of an impact for being the improvement that it was supposed to be as a sequel. And so I, I it's 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 good on some aspects, but on others it didn't leave the best feeling for me. I do like that you can go around and change some things. There's different aspects. There's the uh the crossbows that uh uh Electro had or Ectro had mentioned. But there's just other things that just don't culminate together into one cohesive idea for that game and i think that's why for trials they went back to the asylum because there was just too much out there that didn't work all right max is your turn so for me i actually i would say i liked outlast 2 more than the first one in just about every aspect except for the claustrophobia like there's definitely a different kind of fear when you're out in the woods and you're out in these like unexplored farm territories and it's nice to have freedom to have like more just to more um to have more strategies to move around you go like okay maybe i should avoid this building entirely i should just go over here but i will 100 percent agree the lack of claustrophobia and restriction does kind of ruin a lot of the aspects of what made outlast very scary but other than that, I actually enjoyed it a lot more. It was nice. So something that I feel like a lot of video games don't do very much. And like, regardless of whether you think Outlast 2 did it well or did it not, or did it unwell, grammar, is the feeling of your character going insane. I loved that what you could like look back at old things you had to record, that you could actually say different things than you remember saying or things that were unrelated. There's very clearly two or three different conversations that was going through your guy's head. I love the different environments, seeing how like people were taking on this religion. And to talk about um 
horror movie tropes that was mentioned earlier, not everything was explained. I remember playing the game and just thinking to myself, you know, let's pretend for a second. In the first game, this might be slight spoilers, but we've already kind of gone over that. In the first game, they kind of mentioned a few different like memos and things like, hey, how come there are no female female inmates? Like, we've only done this with one person and she had a fake pregnancy. That's kind of weird. I feel like we could be doing a lot more experimentation with this. So it's kind of hinted at throughout the entire second one that, um, you know, like she thinks she's pregnant, but she isn't actually. Not only are uh, not only are the people here going insane, but she's going insane. You're going insane. And it's this group mindset that because you all believe it, because you have this whole narrative going, it's happening, even if it isn't actually happening. That added with you having the guilt about I forget your friend's name, but the one who was horrible, the one who was uh, basically about to be raped by the Catholic Church, like. I really enjoyed how things felt like they had more purpose. The gameplay felt like it was expanded. The, um, I forget exactly what it was called, but, um, basically how you could like see, you could hear sound through walls, I think was a nice addition in terms of observatory mechanics. I really, really enjoyed too. Even if it is a shame that, um, I've joked about this before, but like as a Christian, I don't think I've played a video game where the church was ever looked at in a positive light. Because, you know, religious zealotry is a very fun thing for horror to go into. There's all sorts of different ways you can take it. Shame that the church will never be looked at positively. But, and especially with um, Father Noth's cult, you know, kind of being a bad ripoff on Christianity, reading their doctrine and being like, wow, this is fucked up. But um, I really enjoyed too overall. I've, besides the lack of claustrophobia, I thought it was an overall improvement across the board. All right, it is my turn. Um, I really don't have a lot of positive things to say. Uh, I'm going to try, but basically, you know, uh, some of the enemy designs, lore building and, and stuff like that. I, I thought that all stuck. I, I thought that was great, um, as well as some of the environments, because seeing all the hanging meat and people sort of chopped up was uh, not a pretty sight. Uh, that being said, most of the criticisms that people have here, I agree with, with the fact that um, the environment definitely feels a little bit way too open for its taste. I also did not like the new alert system that they have for Outlast 2, where uh, there are times where you can run it high somewhere, you'll be perfectly fine, and then you'll be dragged out. Uh, because the game wants to sort of shock you with that, and I, I didn't like being dragged out and killed by that witch-like creature, uh, that was chasing you, because that happened to me, like, several times, and I remember being frustrated each and every single time that it happened. Um, that being said, though, it, it does invite a new tension of the game, but I don't think it was all executed well, um... That that being said, though, you know, it wasn't the worst sequel I ever played. Uh, definitely, like I said, when I got to that school level with the lockers and there's blood everywhere, uh, I thought that was an amazing design as well. Uh, but it's just, I don't know. It, it's just one of those sequels where they kind of try to take a couple of steps forward and then slowly but surely as you play more and more and more and the gameplay design starts taking steps backward in the process. Uh, that's how I felt about Outlast 2. Uh, I'm not going to dwell on it way too long. I'm going to pass the baton over to Mr. Spartan. I liked Outlast 2. Again, I'm not going to go over 
too much of the past criticisms. Um, I will say, considering it was supposed to be an open world, it was, in my opinion, severely underutilized. Um, yes, the environments were bigger, but that just, in 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 my experience, all that gave you was just more spaces to run around, and wasn't really that fun. Um, the thing that annoyed me the most in regards to the gameplay was if you know me on the channel i'm a bit of a completionist when it comes to games if i play a game i like completing it to 100 in terms of challenging trophies achievements so on and so forth i've um unlocked all the achievements for the first one but there are two achievements that i'm missing from the second one that is simply due to the fact that the game is so inconsistent in terms of routes, patterns, um, executions of enemy patrol routes, everything like that, um, which is very, very, very upsetting because Outlast 1 didn't have that problem. Now, you can make the argument that the, app, the AI is more advanced and all that, but it got to the point where after it got bugged for me um i ended up just putting the game deleting it um i got so frustrated that i rage quit i raged quit um but this again it's like the gameplay was meh and the story however was i'd say a lot better but the only negative thing i'd say about the story was that there is only i believe one half a note half a note in the entire game that you don't get until maybe 70% through the game where it details that, oh, actually, maybe it's not just uh, Father Noth that is insane and it brings Murkoff into the, into the fold, which I think is a bit... I mean, you, we know what we know Murkoff is behind it, but the fact that there's only, like, literally half a note for that, yeah, no, it... I'm I'm looking forward to what trials can do because Outlast Two left a bit of a bad taste in my mouth. I'm afraid. Next up is Amzar. Zamzar, it is your turn. Sure. Um, Outlast 2 is another one I only played once. Uh, I think I'm in agreement with um, some of you here where it didn't leave as much of an impact on me as the first game did or Whistleblower did. And I think that does come down to the story not being as impactful for me. It doesn't feel like you're uncovering anything. It does feel like you're just following a story along. Where the first one, it felt like I was trying to peel away the layers of an onion and figure out what was going on. The second one, you feel like you're just getting pushed along and following along with this story. Um, and that, I think, takes away from the tension. Um, you're just getting shoved along, um, seeing things happening around you. It doesn't really feel like you're participating in much. And I didn't really like the switches between locations between the woods and the school. Um, I don't remember feeling like that was that really made sense. Um, and like I said, it's been a while since I played. So maybe if I replay it, it, it would hit me a little bit different. But I just remember being in the moment and being really taken out of the game when that happened. Um, and yeah, I just I think it was too open, not didn't have that sense of uh, claustrophobia that you did from the first game 
and um yeah it didn't feel like uh the the conspiracy you were trying to uncover and figure out until um like you said 70 percent through the game um you find that note where it kind of pulls Murkoff into it I, I think that if that was introduced maybe earlier I would have been hooked a little bit earlier but as it stands yeah I think Outlast 1 is still the strongest of uh all three of the games okay so we're moving on to uh some of the final questions here so question number seven how do you feel about the concept behind outlast trials a game that is catering to single player and co-op ventures first we have tolkien to take that question okay so i'm super excited for this ever since i found out they were going to do another one i've been like keeping my eye on it i'm uh, in for access if they're looking for beta players like i'm all in for this one um i can't wait to see what they do with it because like most in here have said two is just not it compared to one and, and i'm hoping um maybe they go back to kind of what they did with one um my one concern when i found out it was going to be co-op and up to four players was that if you're a person who likes to play a solo is it going to affect the gameplay a lot i tend to play a lot of my horror games solo and not with people so i think it's a valid concern a lot of people were starting to have when it, they found out it was going to be co-op that it wasn't going to be as fun solo or all those concerns that was um a lot of my worry so i'm really hoping it's just as good for the single player as it is for the multiplayer aspect. Um, but I'm super excited to see what it looks like. Definitely gonna be playing that as soon as it comes out. I've already had a couple people <laughs> ask me to play with them when it comes out, totally down to do that. I think it's gonna be great. I'll probably do it both single and in a group to see how it is, but I, I cannot wait for it to come out. I love Outlast and I've been wanting another one ever since the second one, so I'm ready to go. You know what? I guess we can tie both of these questions in together. So uh, how do you feel about the inclusion of traps? And I guess uh, when I go to the next person, they can answer like number seven and number eight, respectively. Um, the idea of traps is interesting. Um, I'm curious to see where it goes, because, um, of course, it's going to be a little bit different than obviously the first and the second. So I'm really interested to see how that plays into the game. Um, I don't really know too much about what they're planning. I haven't uh, really kept up on some of the new trailers, which I was in the process of looking through before this question, but I'm curious to see what they do. I'm ready for some some new ideas, but I also hope, as I said, that they stick kind of to the roots of the first one, because uh, I think that's where they did really good work was the first one compared to the second one. Next up is Lonos. All right. Well, uh, I am super excited about it coming. Uh, I was really excited when they announced like the multiplayer aspect because I thought that was a really interesting uh, design choice because if you really think about it, trying to work together, trying to get out of that place uh, instead of an individual. My only uh, apprehension is was one, that it wasn't going to be the same playing single player because there are a lot of games that will drop the single player aspect. Uh, in favor of the multiplayer because that's kind of the popular thing now play with your friends but also that playing together as a group takes away some of the horror because when you're by yourself you can kind of get into this like trance of i'm in this game i'm in this world i'm starting to get really involved in it 
but then you have your friends there and they crack a joke. It's kind of like why sometimes phasmophobia doesn't work because it's like, oh, I'm dead. And then it's like, oh, this is scary. And your friend makes an offhand joke. And then it's like, well, damn. Okay. Well, I'm taken out of the experience now. But for what I can tell, uh, especially the inclusion of traps, it's a better inclusion of it. I think there was already ideas of traps in Outlast anyways, but the fact that it is a mechanic now may actually add that at horror because you may have to leave your friend behind. And that's kind of a scary aspect. It's like, sorry, I need to survive. The rest of us are going to go. Uh, and that kind of ties back into more how original horror movies were, especially old slasher ones. It's like, bye. Uh, you survive. I'm going to survive on my own. So I do like that. And the matter of fact is, I do think the game lends itself a little bit more towards being able to work together, especially trying to help each other over a thing. I just hope they're not too entirely contrived where it's like, I need a friend to leap over this ledge. I wish there was someone here rather than, okay, this makes sense. An extra, I could do this by myself, but God, this would be easier with another person. And I hope the story is enough to kind of push you to want to go through rather than this is just feels like a multiplayer game, which feels generalized, but everyone kind of knows that feeling of, this is a multiplayer game. Okay, but there's not a lot of substance to it. So I'm really hoping they really drive in that substance of what made the other games scary and really pressing where you needed to get out as quick as possible without it feeling just like some like a cash grab. But Red Barrels has been fairly consistent. So I, I'm having hope they're going to be able to do it well. Max, it is your turn. Damn Atlanta, you keep stealing my points. Um, so I, I'm really bad at keeping up with new games and stuff. I don't really look at trailers or judge things until the game is in my hand and I can play it. The mantra of you're not allowed to talk shit until you've experienced it, that kind of thing. But um, the big thing that kind of, on one side it made me kind of excited, but on the other side it kind of worried me is, yeah, that multiplayer aspect. At any time, when you're playing with someone else, you're reminded that you're on a couch or you're on Discord. You know, at any time, anyone could just pick up a, uh, pick up a corpse and go, burr, 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 I'm doing a puppet show. This is kind of what we talked about in Resident Evil 5, that, like, is it fun to, you know, be back-to-back -back with your friend figuring out the situation? Yeah, of course it is. But you're going to be cracking jokes because you're just having fun. And that kind of takes away a lot of the aspect of it. That being said, though, with the addition of, like, traps, as we combined two questions as mentioned earlier, I kind of like the idea of that because it gives, you know, I hope they're not too overpowered. Um, I hope, you know, as I mentioned before, these situations where you need two people are contrived. Maybe the game will encourage you to backstab people like a saw situation. That only one person can escape. Or maybe you are genuinely all trying to work together because that's the best thing possible. The setting of the. Um, the setting of OK, correct me if I'm wrong with this. Cold War Rehabilitation Center? I think that sounds fun. I think that sounds like a great time. And like working together to escape, it it seems like it would be entertaining. I remember, you know, I watched the trailer because I was like, oh, geez, I forgot that last was a thing. Enemies acting different ways. Enemies putting hallucinogens or something in your face. Um, hiding in lockers and stuff. That, like the different environments. And once again, they brought the claustrophobia back, which is all sorts of well and good. Uh, that aspect, I look really, I'm really excited about. I remember the Discord a few times. Um, I forget if this was in interviews and stuff. You know, the game's not out, so you can't trust anything. 
how it's like, oh, you can play this single player, but you can play this co-op as well, and you won't lose anything in between the two. I'm a little hesitant with that. I appreciate that they are accommodating for that, but it is the unfortunate nature of any multiplayer horror that you realize it's a video game. You can't get into it as much. So as much as I'm looking forward to it, and I... I got confirmed in the Discord that they did say that. I don't trust shit, because until you have the game in your hand, you can never believe anything. I'm horrible that way. But um, I'm looking forward to it. But I can't help but be a little apprehensive about some of those aspects of it. Setting-wise, though, I'm down. It looks like fun. I have no idea if this has anything to do with the plot of the second one, anything to do with the plot of the first one, but I, I can't help but be excited about it. Um, for me, it depends on how they do things. I, you know, whether a dev like holds their word up or not is to be determined. But at the same time, I mean, there's been games where a developer promised something, publisher promised something. There was like some turmoil and then it didn't end up the way that it was supposed to be. Um, I think the only example I can think of of like co-op horror recently that wasn't re5 was um death space 3 and and both of those games are just not scary and one had a uh, studio interference so i don't know i i think it can be done i think it can be possible because the concepts they were introducing in death space 3 were cool with carver uh where his mind was all fucked up so maybe they could do some single player oh i'm seeing shit that the other person didn't see in the other campaign so that might be an accommodation but uh usually with uh two people holding your back it, it's it's very hard to warrant in the scare factors um with a person there with you all the time and they have ammo or traps or uh something of that nature but i, I mean they can probably pull it off i i'm a big fan of a uh, resident evil outbreak i i managed to play that game and even with like three other people that game was still super tense and scary and uh crazy regardless uh so it all depends on the execution and how they do it and if they're gonna uh really home in on the fact that these are two separate games uh as for the like the traps being used and the grenade bombs and and all that stuff uh i i think it could be fun finally you can fight back and use weapons and stuff like that but uh there has to be balance so how long is it gonna last before you distract this enemy and they get out and they start chasing you again uh so i i'm looking forward to seeing how uh they all counteract with each other what are the strengths the pros and cons of using set weapons or traps trying to hold people down until you escape uh more to speak so i i think that's just my answer really looking forward to the game i can't wait i saw the first trailer i'm like i'm super excited for this i want this man now i i, I think they have not announced when that beta is going down but when it is i will definitely get in there i will definitely sign up anything i will do unimaginable things to play this game uh so developers red barrels you you know where to find me all right so it is time for zanzara to give his response to outlast trials yeah so outlast trials i am excited about i think it's an exciting prospect to take a co-op um i like the fact that you can play through it single player if you wish um but the idea of being able to play with somebody 
I think you could really make that experience um, really terrifying, even though there is somebody else there, maybe cracking jokes or whatever. Um, so not even the potential of just that, but the, the you're playing with friends. There, there's going to be hilarious moments. We're going to get a ton of memes, I'm sure, uh, floating around on the Internet uh, when this game goes live. Tons of clips of friends playing together, doing ridiculous stuff, which I'm I'm always here for, um, even if it is supposed to be quote unquote scary. Uh, I'm sure when I play through it, I'm going to get terrified and that'll be fun. Um, but just the idea of playing through the first Outlast and if you play through it a few times, and you know where you're supposed to go. You can get really into a nice flow uh, and through the parkour of just jumping over things, getting from point A to point B as quickly and as efficiently as possible while avoiding um, the enemies. So putting that in a, to a multiplayer, maybe some sort of competitive, not like esports competitive, but a competitive setting where you're just like, oh, I want to get from here to here the fastest and I want to have the quickest route and the most effective route to getting out of this scenario, I think is is really cool. And um, being able to use traps and everything to set up scenarios or lure enemies into um, those scenarios to be able to make those escapes faster, I think are, is pretty cool. And um, the idea that it's all kind of set before the first Outlast game it puts it into context, like Murkoff and Mount Massive Asylum is up and running, like it's it's going full force. This isn't the, the Mount Massive we saw from Outlast 1. This is the one that is full steam ahead. We're running experiments. We're trying to figure some stuff out. There's supernatural stuff going on. There's lunatic doctors here performing experiments, and we're going to see that. Uh, firsthand and with friends uh, by our side. So I'm excited about it. I'm going to pick it up whenever it comes out and uh, I'm going to try and get into that um, beta for sure. All right. And it is time for the final question before we wrap up. So what is the scariest moment in the entire Outlast series in your opinion? Tolkien, you were first. Okay. I have a couple. Um, so I think from the first game, definitely um, the in the DLC with Eddie chasing you and it's dark, especially if you don't have batteries and it's just him singing and talking to you and him just being the creep that he is. I cannot even tell you how many times I was like so frightened and didn't want to go back into the game every time I died. It was just Hiding in the closet, especially um, when you have no choice but to hide in that one locker closet, whatever it was, and he pulls you out and you think, oh, my God, was I supposed to go somewhere else? Is this part of it? And ends up being part of the story. You have to get caught. It was just so frightening. Um, Traeger chasing you around and you have to go up through the ventilation and hide under beds and he's just looking for you everywhere and it's just there were so many chase scenes that were just so intense um in the second one marta you never knew where she was she just always seemed to appear out of nowhere at times where you didn't think she was going to be around pushing that fucking cart i swear to god was the worst part of the whole game because it's just like your heart's going so fast and you're pushing it along and it's all nice and dandy and then you just hear her come out of nowhere and you just start panicking and you run around and you think oh okay let's go through this hole in the fence i'll be safe but you don't realize that there's a back way. So then she follows you around the back. And it's just like, well, fuck. And it's just, you have to go back through the hole and try to push um, the cart a little bit more and then get away from her. And it's just so intense. But I think the one area that had me scared the most was definitely um, 
when you were put into the school and you encounter the, I call it the tongue monster. Like that sucker was just nasty. And he made me scream so loud. I had panic attacks trying to run and hide from this thing in lockers. It was so bad. I was so afraid to go through rooms um, that were dark. I would like peek in and then jump in. And then I was just like, Oh my God, it, it found me so many times. I just, it was so bad, but there were so many parts of this game that were just terrifying in their own right, but that one was probably the worst for me was having to deal with the tongue guy in the school. It was just so gross, and he was just so frightening, and having the environment and the music and the noises all together just made it that more that much more horrifying, and that's probably why I really enjoy this game. It, uh, areas like that, where you're just so terrified out of your mind, you want to quit, but you keep playing because you're just so invested in it. You don't care how scared you get. You just want to keep playing. And that's why I loved this series so much. Next up is Lonos. I actually have quite a, a few of them too, because like, there were some really scary moments. Uh, I think a lot of us are going to say like a lot of the parts with the groom because they really drilled on that. And some are probably going to say the surgery scene because that's just... That's a lot to take in and no, uh, but for me, like there's some small parts, like when you drop into the sewer for the first time and you're kind of trudging through the water and you can't move very fast. And then you hear the chains from Chris Walker and you're like, oh, fuck, where are you? Oh, no, I can't move that fast. Uh, or uh, it's right after you find like these two that are over a corpse. And you're like, what are you doing to that corpse? And you turn around to run, and there's this guy. He's not even meaning trying to scare you. He's just looking out from behind like a, uh, a mattress. But it's like a moment of you're like, oh, fuck. And then he just goes to hide back behind the mattress. And it's like, I'm sorry. You scared me. Uh, the cart. That I think it's just the stress from the cart because you need it to get over that wall. And she just will never leave you alone. And you're like, I don't want to pray with you. Your praying's different. I don't like this. Uh, things like that. But yeah, I think probably still the scariest will be like the groom. Because I don't want to be his wife. And especially the way he wants to go about it. I don't know. I don't like that. Next up is Max. So for me, I'm going to give a little bit of a cop-out answer. Because as much like as much as I like those specific moments, I kind of went back and forth when, um, you know, obviously the whole game is in first person when people would get way up too close in your business. The groom obviously is an example, but another one I want to say is um the beginning of Whistleblower when the doctor is talking to you, the moment you're being crucified in the second one, uh, the moment Val jumps on top, uh, top of you, licks you. We made a few jokes about this before, but there's a lot of licking and it's especially the tongue monster. It's all weird, but that adds to the creepiness of it. And a lot of those scenes were really good. But sometimes I remember a whistleblower with the guy who was um, eating corpses. I forget his name, the chainsaw man. It did kind of feel like a haunted house ride of like, you will now sit here. You will now witness how creepy this is. No, no. You have 20 seconds to watch him eat that liver before you can continue. For me, I think the scariest moments was hearing people in the distance, whether it was the normal inmates or whether it was like the specific big bads. Hearing them talk, hearing them interact, hearing their prayers, hearing like 
just hearing them coming or um that sounds weird when i bring that up from earlier but like hearing them come closer in the dis uh, from the distance those were my favorites those quiet atmospheric moments where they didn't quite know where you were yet maybe the music's going just a little bit but not too much those were the moments that i absolutely adored because as i said before many times in a, like in a chase you kind of realize mechanically oh i can take a hit and keep running and it kind of like took me out of the experience personally i don't know how many other people had that but um those moments before anything happens i think were my favorite or as we talked about the camera before seeing the eyes in the distance hearing them from a distance and realizing i have to get in there get something and get out those were my favorite moments all right it's my turn um it's a lot of scary moments namely enemies knocking you over throwing you out of windows uh those jump scares always get me um i i think it's mostly when you just crawl through a surface and then there's something on the other end because i think lanos took like an answer that i had where there's like a patient behind a mattress and he pokes out and sort of looks at you and then he goes back to his business he's docile but complete jump scare uh that was one of the things that got me when i played the game recently also um just the noise and and, and hearing meat like being slapped somewhere out in the middle of nowhere and you don't know where it is and you hear heavy breathing um most of the stuff that chris walker does where he scares the shit out of me once again <laughs> me slapping in the chat okay um it, it's just one of those things though where hearing inmates eat each other and and, and the sound design lends credence to this game being super freaking scary and i is one of the things that i really appreciate with them doing like they really paid attention to what makes this um creepy atmospheric and, and really trying to put in the fact that yes we're going to go to the extra mile to creep out the player um so that that is my answer i want to pass the baton over to spartan There were plenty of scary moments throughout the game, but I think it becomes even more scarier when, like I've said before, I've played all the games on the hardest difficulty, which I'm going to tell you right now is an absolute bitch to do, pardon my French, we've all sworn before, but regardless. Um, I think Tolkien said it best, that really really freaked us out the most was the car and it's on insane in outlast 2 you have to run around so many bloody times to just be able to push enough and i mentioned in the chat and i i died 33 times at that point um because you just you have no idea what's going to happen you think okay you're in the clear and all of a sudden you just see this point come through your chest and it's like the games are scary that's regardless but when you play on harder difficulties and you have less health and enemies are more attentive that's when you think oh yeah what's happening next up is zamzar 
Um, yeah, for me, the scariest moment in my mind was the first time running through the sequence with Dr. Traeger and his scissors um, and just him searching for you, everything, all of his lines during that sequence. Um, like they said before, crawling through the vents under um, beds to hide and just ultimately running away from him, getting into the elevator and him finally meeting his demise everything from the first moment you get captured by him until he gets crushed in the elevator is just you know white knuckle gameplay where you're just trying to escape this madman who is trying to dissect you and perform experiments on you and that one really stuck out to me um honorable mention to the very end of the first game where the wall rider attacks chris walker and just completely explodes him through a ventilation uh duct and i thought that was pretty freaky and really showed the power of the wall rider you're just like oh shit this is what i'm dealing with like this is actually what is terrifying this is what i've been dealing with for the past three or four hours and the asylum is nothing compared to the power and horror that this thing can unleash um so we need to shut that down so um yeah that those are probably like the two scariest moments um for me oh and uh i have an honorable mention uh sewers i i, I do not like the sewer level in this game because the darkness and everything and trying to uh do the two vowels that that started to get on my nerves after a while uh but i think we're gonna wrap up this podcast for outlast a fun discussion talking about uh the entire series and sort of our wants and needs for the next entry and hoping that goes really great uh we're gonna do outros now so tolkien we'll start with you first sure uh you guys can find me on youtube at lady tolkien and on twitter at lady tolkien 7 next up is lanos all right you can find me on YouTube under Lana Smeyer. Pretty much you can find me under most social media under Lana Smeyer. Twitch, uh, Twitter, uh, and I'm also on Spotify. So if you want to listen to music, you can find me on there as well. Next up is Max. Yes. Uh, my name, once again, my name is Max, also known as Lord Ectro. You can find me on twitch.tv slash Lord Ectro. Also on Twitter and YouTube under the same name. I'm a variety streamer, and we are about to start Metal Gear Survive, which I've only heard negative things about, and also playing Final Fantasy IX. So I hope to see you there. All right. You can find me on Twitter at rentoperative underscore. You can find me on YouTube at Renegade Operative. I've been streaming a lot of uh, spooky games. Uh, the last thing I did yesterday was the Resident Evil 3 randomizer where all the items are randomized and so are the enemies. So I got to scream because I saw two nemesis in the hallway and uh, that was not fun at all. Uh, so if you want to see me scare, I will be doing that for the entire month and hopefully you enjoy that. So next up is Spartan. Uh, I, I'm Spartan right, and unfortunately I don't have that many socials. Um, I'm not really a big content creator. I'm just here for the ride. All right, fair enough. Zamzar? Yep. If you search Zamzar on any of the sites and socials, you'll find me, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, uh, all that fun stuff. 
Um, I just finished a playthrough of Outlast. I'm playing through Alan Wake Remastered. Uh, I might play through Whistleblower again on stream after this podcast, so we'll see. Uh, but I have a bunch of other spooky stuff planned for the rest of this month. So uh, if you stop by the stream uh, and say what's up. Oh, uh, there's two mentions that we have to do. Uh, first and foremost, I will be making a Resident Evil lore video uh, on the T-Virus, so that should be quite fun. And uh, I'm going to see if I can try to play the second Fatal Frame. So uh, I know Lanos as well wanted to mention that he's doing another series. Uh, yeah, I'm also running Outlast currently, and like Simzara, running a bunch of very spooky games this month, so stop by the channel as well. Uh, it'll be fun. Yeah, I, I might play Outlast again as well, because it's, it's been a long time, and I haven't played it since 2015, like, live, so I might do it again, fresh start, and see where that goes. But anyway, this is the Infinite Ammo Syndicate signing off. Uh, this was a great podcast. Hopefully you guys really enjoy it. And we're going to commence talking about spooky stuff over the course of the month. Uh, we're waiting for that RE4 remake reveal. Soon as it's done, I, I will let everyone know. So that's about it. Until then, YouTube land, Spotify land. We will see you guys later. Everybody. <laughs>